Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Is God. And in highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. So there is a way called holiness. Amen. And second is uh, Hebrews 12 and 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So there is a way that's called holiness. Now, you know what I'm going to say. I've said this every week. There is a way that's called holiness, and we need to find it. And if it takes holiness and peace to see the Lord, then I want to know what is holiness. Amen. And then Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul says to the church at Rome, and I think it's important to emphasize who this letter is being written to. It is being written to Romans who are newly converted into um, Christianity. They are pagans. They are idolaters. Uh, they are heathenistic. And Paul is writing to them and say, so in other words, we relate much more to the Roman church than we do the Hebrew church. And he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing and your presence in this beautiful church family. And I pray that you would open our understanding tonight. Be with us and give us clarity, give us wisdom, and Lord, how that we can apply your word into our life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. So last week, we really dug into this uh, because this particular, we talked about the spirit of holiness for several weeks, and then we, uh, we talked about, uh, now we are talking about not being conformed to this world, or the way of holiness, or the spirit of holiness, the setting of a standard, and now we are talking in this particular lesson on uh, to be not conformed, amen. And conformity to the world is the most natural thing we do. We've, we've talked about that for weeks. Um, that that conformity to the world is as natural as breathing because we were born into sin. We were born into sin. And that sinful nature is like a, a strong current in a river that pulls you downward. And it's, it's easy. And so you just, as the old saying says, you go with the flow. Amen. Uh, but it takes effort to swim against the current. Because if you go with the current, amen, that current, uh, that current of carnality or that natural human nature you're born with, the Bible tells us it will lead us to destruction or to perdition or to hell. And so when we are saved, we turn around and we start swimming the opposite direction, right, against the current. That's what, you know, sometimes when people uh, walk away from God, um, or a lot of times, um, that their first few weeks or months, maybe even year, man, they, they just think, man, this is so easy. I don't, I don't feel, it's like, whew. you know, you see them on social media and that like they're living their best life, backslid, you know, and it's like, I don't have any stress anymore. Well, they stopped swimming. And, and, and they just rolled over on their back, held their breath, and just started going with the current. That's the most easy, now, there's going to be trouble because the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. And so, so there is a little bit of truth. They say, well, I've got this freedom. I don't have this stress anymore. I don't have this. In, in some sense, that's true because they're no longer resisting anymore. And living for God is a life of resistance against our nature. I, can, I cannot overemphasize that statement that living for God is a constant resistance against our own nature. Now, in whatever way you want to paint it, um, 
that's, that's what living for God is. Your, your nature wants to lie. But the Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit, and it is a spirit of truth. So you got to go against your own nature, right? The Word of God tells us to be honest. Uh, I, I can just go down the list for months talking about the things that our, our, our carnality will do, but that the Spirit of Christ in us will resist against our carnality. Paul said it like this in Romans 8 and 6 through 7, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Amen. And so the secret of a victorious life is learning how to die out to the flesh. Um, Romans 12 and 1, we wrote, read Romans 12, 2, but Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, that you may be able to prove that which is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Be not conformed unto this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what he is saying there is you've got to learn to live like you're dead. And that's another one of those kingdom paradoxes, right? It's one of those things that's just, it, it's the antithesis. It's totally against our nature uh, because if we want to live, we want to live. It means we want to do whatever we want to do. We want to have the, I want to have the freedom to cuss somebody out when I feel like cussing them out. Because that's what our, our flesh says. If it feels good, do it. You know, I, I want to smoke that, drink that, snort that, shoot that. Because that's what everybody else, that's what I want to do. Well, that ultimately leads to death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And sin is ultimately going to pay out what it owes you. And it owes us death. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so the wages of sin you're going to earn is going to be death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So you can't earn a gift. So you've got to live in a way that is favorable unto God because if you, if you allow sin into your life, um, it's going to pay out in the wages of sin. They're, they're, they're going, you're going to get the paycheck, and that's death. Amen. And death ain't withholding taxes, all right? You're going to get the full sum, all of you. All of me is going to be dead. Not going to be all of me and the tip of my pinky just be alive. It's all of it. Because the wages of sin are death. Can you say amen? And that's why we need prayer in our life. Because that prayer gives us the strength to resist that current that is pulling us into perdition. That's pulling us into an eternity without Christ. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I'm so proud, Holy Ghost proud, of uh, Brother Alonzo. I've watched him in the our last few months of uh, prayer nights on Thursday nights, and I watched something ignite in him uh, several weeks ago. And he went from just being, you know, Brother Alonzo, faithful, prayer, he's going to pray, he's going to be there, to, like, he went from, uh, who's the guy, like, Rick Moranis? You know, the guy that played the dad in Honey, I Shrunk the Kid? He went from like that to Schwarzenegger in like a week. And it's not to say he was weak before. I'm, I'm just in comparison. He went from in there praying and he was, you know, he hold his own prayer. To all of a sudden, he stepped into a flow of, of warfare prayer one night. And I just went, whoa. I knew the potential was there, but man, it came out. He just started praying. I thought, my goodness, all we need is about... 10 more men that would do that, man, we'd nuke this city for Jesus. Amen. And so I watched that happen because he's learning to go against the, 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 the resistance um, that is living for God. So, so in living for God, you're going to turn around and swim the other way. We, we, we talked about that. And uh, we talked about love, not the world. That was our big thing the last few weeks was love, not. That is the fanciest race.
And so we talked about three things. Here's my fancy lapel mic. You ready? We talked about three things. You remember what those three things are? That this Bible talks about where he said, love not the world. We have to fight against three things. So you have three lusts. You got lust of, what do we do first? Flesh. Lust of the, and the, which is the third lust, which is the pride of life. If you can read that. Amen. Praise God. Can you read that? Is that... Is that not too bad? Amen. It, it took me to being 42 years old to finally get the degree that matches my handwriting. <laughs> Amen. So you have the lust of the flesh. We talked about that. That's the, the, the body's desire to satisfy carnal lust and doing things that displease God. The, the lust of the eyes. The eyes are the gate through which the world is able to appeal to carnal lust. I really wish I had weeks to just talk about each one of these. I mean, I guess I do, but I don't because I want to stay on track. And then finally, the third lust is the pride of life. And that one, remember how we liken the lust of the flesh? We liken it to a bear. Or no, we, lust of the flesh we liken to a pit bull, Right? And then the lust of the eye, we liken into a, a grizzly bear. Like both are vicious and dangerous, but one is a quantum leap dangerous above the other. They're, they're bold. They're scary. They can do damage. A pit bull can kill you. But it'll take a whole lot longer than a, than a grizzly bear. And uh, then, but we, what, do you remember what we liken the pride of life to? The snake. The Bible says it's the most subtle of all of them. And then, actually, let me do this for room's sake here. And then do you remember, do you remember uh, the Bible story we used for all three of these? Good, I'm teaching it again. We use the story of, huh, Adam and Eve. And so that when she looked, now we, we liken it to Jesus, the temptation, and the temptation of the, uh, in the wilderness and the temptation of the garden, we saw these three things, right? That she, she saw, the just like Jesus was tempted by the devil, turn these stones to bread, Lust of the flesh. Fall down and worship me. Lust of the eyes. Right? Throw yourself down and let God's angels lift you up. The pride of life. Then we saw the same thing in the garden when we saw that she looked to the, to the fruit. She looked at Then she was desirous of it. And thirdly, she consumed it. Why? Because she thought she would be like God and gain all knowledge. And so that's why that is subtle. And you can't, because if you allow those uh, three very potent things to run roughshod in your life, it's like trying to swim against the current with two bricks tied around each ankle. So you've got to learn to conquer these, okay? Some of these at some level, listen, you're going to deal with these the rest of your life. You're never going to get to the point where you conquer this. And what I mean by conquer it is where you'll never, ever have to struggle with that temptation again. Now, let, let me tell you this little story. <clears throat> and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I'm sure, I don't, my intent is not to offend, but I'm sure somebody will probably take this the wrong way, and that's fine. We got a big altar, amen. Um, Several years ago at a, at a young minister's meeting, um, and one, I'm not going to say who it was, but an elder, 
been a superintendent, built churches, been in missions. He was 86, 87 years old. And at the end of his teaching to all these young preachers all under the age of 25, a room full of them, probably 100, 150, they started taking Q&A. And one young man got up, and we can laugh at his question, and I do because I think it's kind of silly, but it's only because he had the guts to ask it. And so he stepped to the mic, and he said, Bishop, I have a question for you. At what age is it do you attain to where, you know, you don't find women are beautiful or attractive. And the bishop said, son, I'm 87 years old. You're going to have to ask somebody a whole lot older than me. <laughs> In other words, you're going to deal with some things because in their rightful place, they're beneficial. Right? Right? In their rightful place, in the right context, God put it there. That's how we have procreation. But outside of its context, it's deadly. Right? And, and so you've got to learn to conquer that. And that is not conforming to the world. You've got to learn, you've got to, learn to keep it in check is what I'm saying. You, you, can't, you can't let the weeds grow on this. You've got to keep it in check. And I saw somebody put out a meme and it showed the picture of somebody's yard. It was, somebody was push mowing. It was beautiful green grass. And it said, in the south. And the next picture was, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day. The grass is real short and trim. You could appreciate this. And it said, three days after the rain. And it, and it was a jungle in the Amazon, right? You got to stay on top of it. It will, I mean, it will just get out of control fast. And so that's not being conformed to the world. Now we want to talk about separation from the world. Everybody say separation. Now, there is no fellowship between light and dark. When the light is turned on, what happens? This is, I know this is profound. Darkness disappears. When the light is off, light disappears. In this same sense, the church is the light and the world is the darkness. This is what Jesus said. And so there must be a clear line of demarcation between the church and the world. Darkness and light, sin and, right, and righteousness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 through 18, this is very important. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye mingled, be ye blended, be ye homogenized. He said, be ye what? saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto me. So that lets me know, that God says, if you won't quit touching the unclean thing, I won't receive you. Now, this is what God, just as we read in Hebrews where he said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If you take it in its positive, that was in its negative, but if you flip it in its positive, it means if you have holiness and peace with all men, you'll see the Lord. If you don't have it, you won't see the Lord. In this same context, he says, if you'll stop touching the unclean thing and you will separate yourself from it, then I will receive you. But if you won't, I'll reject you. Then he says, I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The promise of being received by God and becoming his sons and daughters is conditional upon complete separation. Salvation is not conditional. It's for everybody. All right? So there's no between, we, we call it getting saved, and it really is, it really is a misunderstanding because you never get saved in that sense that, you know, when you come out of the waters of baptism or you receive the Holy Spirit or whatever, you're just, you're saved, and that's it. That's once saved, always saved. That's not in the Bible. It's, that's a very dangerous doctrine. Some people, a lot of people run with. But you are in the salvation process. The salvation process is beginning. We talked about this several weeks ago. I don't want to uh, run over that again. But we're, we were in the ocean of sin, drowning. Now we've got the life preserver around us. And Christ, through his mercy and grace, is pulling us aboard the ship of Zion. We're not saved until we get not on the boat, 
until we get off the boat and on the promised land, which is eternal life in heaven, amen? So until then, this is a work of salvation, right? And so being received of God is, is conditional upon our complete separation from the world. God's plan for his people is to take them out of the world. That's one. And then two, take the world out of them. Remember, it only took God one night to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took God 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. So you can go join a cult. You can go join a commune. You can go join some gathering up in the mountains where they just live off the land. Sometimes don't sound like a bad idea, right? As crazy as this world's getting. Sometimes I think, man, maybe these, maybe these wackos are got something, you know. <laughs> Go grow your own beans and taters, and you know, hunt your own meat, and, and no internet, and no cell phone, and and, amen. But then I think of, you know, good coffee beans, and if I didn't get the post there or something like that, you know, or good bacon, praise God. And so you've got, you've got to separate from the world, come out from among them and separate, but now through the Holy Spirit, you've now got to separate the world out of you. And that's, that's a different journey. It's loving, you know, learning to love not the world. Separation from the world brings victory. It brings power, and ultimately it brings joy into the life of a believer. Separation is what God mandates. He's not suggesting that. The Christian who maintains full separation from the world will have a genuine testimony of being a child of God. Their life and testimony will have an effect on all who know them. However, the believer who has divided allegiance, who tries to live for God and the world at the same time, they're always defeated and they're always unhappy. Miserable. And there's no counseling session. There's no pill that's going to fix that. You've got to learn to sell out and serve Christ with everything that we have, right? You can't swim against the current with one arm. You can't swim with one arm and selfie with the other. You're just going to eventually go down. You've got to give it everything you've got to resist. Amen. The person that does that is miserable because they're trying to go two directions at the same time. A divided life cannot continue forever. It will eventually break. Either a person's going to dedicate their life to the Lord or they are going to turn back to the beggarly elements of this world. I'm going to throw one on you, Brother Garza. If you'll throw up Galatians chapter 4, and let's begin reading, because I'm talking about the beggarly garments. This kind of jumped out at me here a few weeks ago, and I threw this in my notes. Galatians chapter uh, 4, and let's begin reading at verse 3. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the what? Elements of this world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Praise God. We're preaching on that on Sunday. We are spiritual Israel. We've been adopted in. When you're adopted into a family you have no kinship to, you don't share their blood, but you share the name. You share the relationship. Amen? And so uh, uh, sometimes the bonds between an adopted family member and blood members, it's stronger for the one that is adopted. I, I've seen that before, uh, where a family adopted a child, it, 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 and, and that child ended up being the most faithful to the parents than the ones they had birthed. I've seen that happen. And so that's who we are. We are adopted Israel. We're spiritual Israel. Praise God. And, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And Abba simply, it, it just means Papa or Daddy. All right? It's a very intimate form. Uh, and then jump down to verse number nine. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? In other words, 
after God brought you out of all that junk, why would you then want to turn and go back to it? One place in the Bible said it's like a dog returning to eat his own vomit. Now, I know that's disgusting, but that's what the Bible likened it to. That stuff has been purged out of you. Why would you go and consume it again? Amen. However, if we will turn our life in the opposite direction of the world, by virtue of going in the direction of God, separation will occur in our life. Can you say amen? I heard a story some years ago of a fine young man who came to the Lord. Actually, the couple of stories I'm going to tell you is um, Bishop N.A. Urshan told these stories years ago, and I, I wanted to include these. He said, a fine young man came to the Lord and experienced a wonderful and a powerful deliverance from sin. He had been an alcoholic before God brought deliverance to him. And all went well, uh, he said, for several months, almost a year, and then he began to be careless with his prayer life. He quit his job and decided, since it was uh, in the wintertime in the upper Midwest, they don't do construction in the winter, so usually you have to find a part-time job somewhere indoors. But he decided, I made enough mon money through the spring and the summer and the fall. I'm just going to lay up through the winter months. And the problem was he became idle. And... There's an old saying that I grew up with. It's not in the Bible, but it says an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Amen. And so he, he became idle. And because of this, his lack of a prayer life, he became idle. He thought that he would find some activity to relieve him from a life of boredom. And he began to refer back in his mind to the things that used to be fun to him. And so his steps were downward and swift. His separation from worldly activities started to disappear. He began to attend worldly events and parties and things of that nature that he had given up, that he had separated himself from when he began to serve God. And he became careless then, not only in his prayer life and in his separation from worldly events, but then he began to become careless in church attendance. And it wasn't long that when you combine the carelessness of church attendance and prayer and not discerning the company you keep or the places you go, before long he began to give in and he began to smoke again. And it wasn't long before he was back on the bottle again. And several years had passed uh, when tragedy struck, uh, sadly, for this young man. And one Christmas Eve while driving drunk home, he was killed in a car accident because he never learned to separate completely from the world and keep his prayer life. I can, I can tell you 10,000 stories of the same nature, but the point of, is it, of it is this. You may separate yourself from the world, but at some point you've got to separate the world from you. You've got to, the Bible says, give no place for the devil. Give no room for the devil. Uh, that's that's like people I know that that will get delivered, and rather than get rid of the stuff God's delivering them from, they'll just put it in a box and put it in the attic. Can I tell you as lovingly as I can? That is the stupidest thing. It really is. It's dangerous. Why would you afford yourself that opportunity to go back? Hey, I'm going to tell you when I began to serve the Lord, I got rid of it all. I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. You say, well, that's old-fashioned. It might be, but I believe that's how God intends for us to do it. You know, if God delivers you from drugs, you don't take that last bit of heroin and vacuum seal it and stick it and tape it underneath the, back room, the bathroom toilet lid and say, I've been delivered, but I'm just going to hold on to this stuff you know, in case I need a $20 bill or something. You, know. you, you don't do that. You get rid of it. You... you Get rid of it. And that's how you got to separate the world from you. And so this story, this tragic story, um, started when this young man, not when he began to smoke or began to drink, but when he let down on his prayer life. When he let down on his prayer life. 
Because you have constantly got to be building up the walls of your heart. When he let down his prayer life, and then he began to give in to associating with events and things that he used to uh, before he was saved and did not see the importance of maintaining that separation in his life. There are some things you'll be strong enough to eventually uh, attend. I, 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 my phone's been blowing up the last few weeks. Folks want me to go to a high school reunion. I'm not going to go because I don't got the time. I think it'd be good to see all of them. But 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been good for me to go to a high school reunion. I was too fresh in keeping the world purged out of my life. And as time has passed, I've lived seemingly a lifetime outside that life. It has no appeal to me. But this young man began to let his walls down. Amen. And while there may be, and I know what I'm about to say is old-fashioned. There, while there may be clean uh, recreations that the Christian may enjoy and not be condemned, there are still some things in the world that we need to separate ourselves from. That we need to say as a believer, I can't be there. Not in that I will sin being there, but in that the whole environment is sin and I don't want to put myself in that position. All right, I'm not going down a dark alley into a, a bar because they got good onion rings. I'll settle for Burger King. Does that make sense? Because you don't need to put yourself in that environment. Amen? And so the story would have turned out differently had he maintained his separation from the world and maintained his relationship with God. And there's another story uh, that goes that in the horse and buggy days, a drunkard had been gloriously delivered and saved from the habit of being a, a falling down drunk. And the, the, that bondage of alcoholism had been broken over him. He continued, however, to fight a terrible desire almost every day for the, the taste of whiskey. He fought it every day. And he consulted his pastor, and he began to confess and tell the pastor, Every day I struggle. I just want to smell it again. I just want to taste it again. And the pastor's advice to him was this. Get a new hitching post. Now let me tell you how that makes sense. Because the man, it's back in the horse and buggy days, continued to do what he had always done. He would ride into town on his horse and he would go to the same hitching post that he had went to for years and get off his horse, and that was in front of the saloon. He took the advice of his pastor, and while it was not, it was not convenient for him, he went down the other end of that dirt road main street, and he tied up his horse to a completely different hitching post on the other end of town because the temptation was strong. Let me just use that analogy to say this. Sometimes you need to find a new hitching post. If you're struggling with the same old things again and again and again, let me encourage you, find a new hitching post. If that is friends, find a new hitching post. If that's entertainment, find a new hitching post. You hear me say this a lot, and, and you're going to hear me say it a lot more. Uh, one of my favorite non-biblical verses is an is an African proverb that says, look not where you fell, but where you stumbled. Quit blaming the mud puddle and cursing the mud puddle. Find where you stumbled. That's the issue. Go back and evaluate. Where was I? What was the condition of my mind and my heart when this happened? Because I'm going to tell you this. You don't go from having a red-hot prayer life to just falling like that. There are indicators. There are warning lights. There are check engine lights that start flashing. Right? You don't just pull that new car off the lot. I mean, maybe sometimes you do. 
And all of a sudden, all the lights start going, check engine, low tire, and all the alternators out, whatever. No, there are indicators. There are things that happen. Are, are you maintaining the engine? Are you rotating the tires? Are you taking care of it the way it's supposed to? Did you leave the key on when you went home and went to bed that night and woke up to it? There are indicators. And the same way it is in living for God, there are indicators before we fall. And those indicators are going to be, you better check your prayer life. You better check your Bible reading. You need to check your fellowship. You need to check your entertainment. Amen? Uh, you know, we don't, we don't uh, I say we don't. I would like to think that we do, but we as a movement don't as much talk about entertainment anymore as we did when I was young. That was a the thing they were constantly warning us about. And we didn't have Netflix and Hulu and Guru and Foo-Foo and YouTube and whatever else. We just had 3, 6, 12, and I remember we got really advanced out in the country, and we got Channel 33 or Channel U on the dial. How many remember Channel U? I still don't understand why it was you. And you click through it, and then, and then but we didn't, I mean, I, I remember when, when VHS wasn't even a big deal. I remember when it became a big deal. I remember the first time I saw a Blockbuster. We didn't even have a movies when I was growing up. I still remember in my town of Texarkana when they built the movies. And, and, and I remember the first blockbuster. Amen. Now we got synagogues everywhere. Some of you get it on the way home. Cinema, synagogue, synagogue. Amen. Um, <laughs> and, 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 but they were constantly warning us of our entertainment. Why? Because our eyes are the way through which a, 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 the spirit of this world can grab a hold of our flesh. I remember, uh, and I'm, I'm sidetracking here, but don't worry, I'm almost done. I remember a few years ago, maybe it was right when COVID hit, my brother called me. And my brother, he can, he can uh, how would I say it? He can get some really weird last-minute urges to do crazy stuff, and he, and I'm t I grew up with him, like, and, and now he's 45, and he does the same thing. I mean, it just hasn't changed. It's, now it's not waking me up, you know, at like two in the morning, going, "Hey, let's push our four wheelers down the driveway and go ride the gravel pits at night." It's different stuff, and so he calls me one day. I think it was right after COVID, right before COVID. It's been a few years. And he says, he says, I got it. I got it. We just got to do this. And I said, what? And, and he's not even telling me. He's just selling me on the fact that we've got to do this. And so red flags are just going off everywhere. He said, we just got to do it. I, I, I know it's going to be a stretch. I know. I'm sitting there going, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, I, I'm a dad probably couldn't do it. Well, I know dad couldn't do it with us with his back and everything. So I'm starting to get clues. Okay, this is going to involve risk. Like, he's not going to say, we need to do it, we need to do, we need to, we need to try this, we've got to do this, you know, we're only going to be as young as we are for right now, and in 20 years we're not going to be able to do it. We got, and I'm just thinking, what, what is he talking about? And so finally, after all of this, all of this, and I finally just kind of calming down, I said, what are you talking about? He said, we need to do a cattle drive. I said, what are you talking about? He said, a cattle drive. He said, man, they got them in Utah. They got them in Wyoming. He goes, I know you're good on horses, and you love horses, and you, know, you, you live out there in California, and you can't have a horse. It'll scratch that horse itch. And it's going to take two weeks. They're, they're two weeks long. But we, we get on this, and there's, and, and there's a, a, a chuck wagon. They cook meals for us, and we sleep out under the stars, and and uh, now he already knows that I have a bucket list. Like one of the things I want to do is I want to take and I want to ride a horse from Colorado up into the Canadian Rockies. Now I want to do that. I know she ain't going to do it. And it's like a six-week ordeal. I'm never going to have the time to do it, but it's nice to dream, right? And so he knows that. He's like, you know, you can scratch this off your bucket list. And he's just going on and on. And the more he's talking about this cattle drive, like, we, like we're going to have to pay 
to work cattle. I've done it before. It's not fun. Even when I got, I didn't make enough money when I did it as a teenager. Now I'm going to pay them to do it. And he's just going on and on and on. He said, man, you know, and then he starts laying in the, the whole sympathy thing. You know, you know, I'm just, he's just laying it on thick. You know, my, since mom passed away a couple years ago, I really think, man, we just got to spend some time in bond. And he's really starting to pull my heartstrings. He said, we can do this, man. We can do this. I know you can do it in two weeks. He said, but he's probably going to take off two days before, two days after. He said, man, you're probably looking like 18 days max. I mean, we can do this. And he starts talking about this cattle drive. And, how go, and I just, I'm starting going, man, this sounds familiar. And he's talking. I said, hold on a minute. Have you been watching that old movie, City Slickers? He just got real quiet. Because I remember that when I was a kid. I remember that. My, my dad watched it like 20 times. Thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So we, back then, there was only one place to watch VHS or anything. And, and if dad was home... That's what you watched. And so I, I, he's telling us, and I, he just got real quiet, and he goes, well, yeah. And I said, this is like I'm listening to the storyline. And he goes, well, you know, I've been home since you know, COVID. We can't work or anything. And he said, I just, I don't know. I watched one, two, and three like four or five times. And it just, you know, I just, my whole point of saying that is, what comes in your eyes can eventually move your spirit. And if it can make somebody in their 40s who he hadn't straddled a horse in 20 years want to do a cattle drive, how much more can entertainment in other ways start to mess with our emotion in our mind? And so the old Sunday school song is true. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you You're learning a song. For the Father above, he is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you Child of God, listen to me. We have got to make sure we give no room to the enemy to come in and feed the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh to where we start living vicariously through or fictitious characters. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens, but it's still the truth. We've got to be careful. We've got to protect ourselves. I used the illustration several, a few months ago about the young man who was saved in, in, in our church in Vacaville several years ago. And uh, he was struggling with issues in his life. And I said, he started describing to me his day. And, and then when he got to the whole portion of TV and movies, I said, well, what are you into? And he started listing them. And I said, well, that's your problem right there. You need to cut that stuff off. And he cut it off. He didn't watch anything for months. Got on fire for God. Prayer life got going good. And uh, when, I, when I told him, he goes, well, if I can't watch that, what kind of boring stuff can I watch? I was like, well, you don't have to watch anything. But, I mean, like, we love Laurel and Hardy. You know, some of the old John Waynes or whatever, just listen. To, you don't have to watch Anna Green Gables or Sound of Music. You know, I'm just, look, I'm just going books at that point. And so he just looks at me and goes, Pastor, that stuff is so boring and stupid. It wouldn't entertain me. I said, that's fine. Get into breeding. Do something. And several months later, he came to me and he said, you know, I just shut everything off for months. He said, but I, 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 was, I knew I'd have a day off and I would just, and he said, so I went and I went to the library or wherever he went and he found an old, uh, I think it was Mayberry or something. He said, I laughed my head off for two or three hours. He said, a year ago, I wouldn't even have pushed play. I wouldn't have even entertained it. It would have been so stupid. He said, but now, he said, it, 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 it's so, he goes, my appetite has changed. The world will stimulate. You even got to be careful of Christian movies sometimes. I, I know, I know y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, this is so stupid. We got the whole entertainment thing taken care of. But do you? 
Do you? Used to, you had to sneak in the blockbuster to get stuff. I hope nobody from the church was there. Now you got anonymity. You can watch it at home. Nobody will know. You've still got to be careful what you consume. It will, I'm not saying if you, you know, start watching murder movies, all of a sudden you're going to go out and murder people. But it can mess with your spirit in other ways. You've got to be careful what you allow into your heart and into your eyes to entertain you. Amen? Amen. Now, you've got to cut those things. In the Old Testament, and I'm closing on this, in the Old Testament history of Israel, the Amalekites, everybody say Amalekites. The Amalekites were a type of the flesh. They fought against the Israelites, and they fought against their journey and their pilgrimage. The prophet Samuel gave commandment to King Saul he said, Saul, when you fight the Amalekites, he said, I want you to kill every one of them. Don't you spare one thing. That's what God told Saul. But King Saul fought against Amalek, and he won a great victory. However, he only partially obeyed God. He halfway obeyed God. He kept King Agag and some of the beasts of the field, the sheep and some of the cattle alive. And the Bible said this displeased the Lord. And Saul ultimately lost his throne because of that act of disobedience. You see, where the world and the flesh are concerned, God is still saying to his people, slay it utterly. Get rid of it. It's too dangerous to leave sinful habits in your life and alive. Only a complete separation from the world can assure us of spiritual victory. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. Only that type of a life can secure victory. Saul messed up by saying, I know what God said, but I think I can handle this. Be careful when you get to the point where you say, I know the word of God says, but I think I'm a little different and I can handle this. There are things right now that may not, that may not be a struggle to you that later on in life they will be a struggle to you. And there may be things that are a struggle now that later on in life they won't be. But the thing to do is what God said to Saul, utterly destroy it. Don't leave one thing breathing. Don't leave one heartbeat still pumping. Kill everything. Amalekites were a type of the flesh. Saul was a type of the New Testament Christian. And he only left a few things and God cut him off, cut off his lineage from being in the royal family of the household of the kings of Israel. Because the Bible said it's the little leaven that leaveneth the whole lump. The Bible said little foxes spoil the vine. If all you're doing is trying to hunt grizzly bears and you don't ever watch out for the little foxes, it will destroy the vineyard. Amen. It don't take much. Just a little bit of it to get its hook in you. Amen. So, well, pastor, what is the point to this? The point is learning to not love the world nor the things of this world and to learn that no matter what, I need to be separate from the world and not conform to this world. Because if I allow, if I give it any room in my life, eventually it's going to take hold of everything. Can you say man? Stand with me. Next week, by the grace of God and Lord willing, we're going to talk about the love for the sinner. That's going to come out in all of this. How we can love the sinner, not the sin. We can love the people in the world, but not love the world. Amen. There needs to be a revival of rededication. There, and I'm talking about in, in the apostolic movement today. There needs to be a revival of separation from the world. We've got to, we got to get it in us. Some things 
I don't belong there. And some things don't belong here. And if I'm going to walk the way of holiness, I've got to walk in the path that he declares. Amen. Let, let, let me suggest something to you. I know by the time you get home, you've, you've drove through traffic. You've put up with dingbats all day. Right? Unless you work from home, and hopefully that's not the case, that you work from home and all you do is put up with dummies all day. If you can't stand your boss and you're self-employed, it's got to be rough. Addy homeschools and I ask her all the time, how do you like your teacher? <laughs> the point is this. I, I know when you get home, it is so easy. And this, this is the trap. This is that serpent. It's so easy to just sit down and go and disengage your heart and your mind because you just want to decompress. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how the, your flesh will work. Let me tell you how that pride of life will work. It'll whisper in your ear with its forked tongue. You deserve this. You deserve this. You've been good. Surely God won't care. It only happens to me. He'll, he'll flick that forked tongue in your ear. It's okay. It won't conquer you. Amen. Let me challenge you. You know, one of these days, we used to do this in Vacaville years ago. We used to do something we call 40 days of fire. And we would fast for 40 days. I can tell you I'm really excited about it. We would fast for 40 days. We had a journal we'd read for 40 days. We'd cut off all, all media for 40 days, like no, no video, no social media. I mean, not even documentaries. It was for 40 days. We did the first 40 days of the year. And I'm going to tell you something. It will recalibrate your sensitivity to the Lord. Because all of a sudden, you're not clicking play on YouTube to be decompressed you're turning to the word of God what a novel idea you're turning to the word of God so let, let me make a challenge let, let me let me just make a challenge for you brother Garzo get me um, if you would it's Philippians whatsoever things are holy whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure I believe it's Philippians 3 or 4 if you'll throw that up there let me give you this challenge this will be difficult. It's going to be a lot harder than you think. Because if you put this up against everything you read, listen to, or watch, it will narrow it down. And you'll be going, but that's not even that bad. But if you look at it in its context, would you take this challenge? Maybe instead of decompressing, just putting your mind in neutral and just, you know, watching something, just, you know, whatever. Even if it's good, even if it's, you know, I, I, you know, I like documentaries. You know, I, I like stuff like that. Sometimes I need to not let my mind go that way. I need to, I need to engage in something that's, that's building up. Pick up a book. There we go. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, my brethren, Philippians 4 and 8. I want you to remember this. If you're writing notes, write this down. Take a picture. You need to take and say, okay, for five days, I'm going to strictly adhere to this, which we're supposed to do anyway, right? <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, there goes watching the news, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Try that for a day or two. Try that for a week. And what I promise you, if you try that between right now 
And Sunday morning, when you walk into this place on Sunday morning, you are going to feel a sensitivity to the presence of God like it usually takes to the end of service to get to. You'll walk into it like that. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are loving, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Think on these things. Let me read it to you real fast, another translation, and we're going to pray. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your things on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then he says in verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Take that challenge. So I know some people... It's really hard to read. Try an audio book. Try an audio book. Put your Bible app in the background when you go to sleep. Right? Did you know they have scientifically proven that you actually can retain up to 30% of what you listen to when you're asleep? Isn't that amazing? Imagine if you're retaining 30% of the Word of God while, while you're falling asleep in those first, that first one to two hours. And if you never read your Bible, you're gaining 300 times what you were before. Okay. Ask me if i got to recommend. I love reading. I, I've got a library. I, I think my wife's going to make me move in the garage. I've got more books than I know what to do with. If you want a suggestion, hey, Pastor, I, I, what's a good book um, on something, maybe an ideology of, of Christianity or whatever? Ask me. I'll let you know. Get these things in your heart. Because if you can control the eyes, you'll be able to take control of these things here. Amen. I don't want to be conformed to this world. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be conformed to this world. Tell somebody else, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. I want to live holy before the Lord. Amen. I know this. And for those of you that are new to living for God, you're going, this isn't old-fashioned. This is brand new. Yeah. But for us, they used to talk about this all the time. And so we used to sing that old song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy. Try Give it to me an F. Amen. Lord, prepare me. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lift your hands to the Lord and pray that and sing it to the Lord. Prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living, I'll be a living sanctuary for one more time. Just lift your hands and sing it out. Lord, prepare me. That's what he makes us, to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you just pray with me for a moment Lord I thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost I thank you for your word and I thank you for the family of God Lord I pray tonight something that spark would ignite the fumes of passion and desire to serve you in somebody's heart Lord I pray we would leave here with a renewed zeal and a renewed 
covenant to walk closer to you and to not be conformed to this world. Lord, deliver me of that selfish nature that doesn't want to push against the current. Deliver me, O oh God, of that selfish nature that wants to have the world in one hand and you in the other. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight as we leave here to be strengthened by your word and by one another's counsel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. Don't miss prayer Thursday night. We're going to have a great time of prayer here at 630. Tell two or three people you love them before you leave here tonight. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Philippians 4, 8, that's your scripture. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.